Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash goddessgray. Now, on to the episode. Hi, beautiful people. Today we are talking to Reverend Dr. Katie E. Valentine. She is a spiritual coach, ordained minister, and New Testament scholar, empowering Jesus followers to claim their metaphysical gifts. Hi, Katie. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Do you, I'm like, which, uh introduction do you prefer do you have people call you reverend or doctor dr reverend that's a lot of qualifications katie is just fine (laughs) so then we have the titles out of the way so let's just go with katie that's (laughs) okay cool um yeah i really like sharing everyone's qualifications off the top because i think we all know here in the god is grace space that a lot of these concepts will be immediately shut down by dissenting voices like metaphysical gifts what are we talking about right um because it sounds very woo woo but here we are. You are an ordained minister and you're a New Testament scholar. You are trained in what you're doing. Would you tell us a little backgrounds about what drew you to becoming a New Testament scholar specifically? Yeah. So I feel like this is also always a little bit of an exercise in, um, and what were you thinking, you know, <laughs> to go to grad school and do all of this. But I, I've loved scripture since I was really little. I was, uh, I was brought up in the church. I was brought up with scripture as story. Um, which is, I think, um, how it should be, uh, that Mm -hmm. scripture is part of God's story, and it's part of the human story responding to God, and that we're part of that story. So it's not separate from us. We are, we're involved in the, um, in the meaning making around scripture. So one of my earliest memories is hearing, um, you know, I was, I'm old enough, so I had the little books on cassette tapes, Mm -hmm. and then it would beep when I was supposed to turn the page in the physical book, and I had Bible stories that way, and I remember loving those. Um, so I studied a little bit in college, decided to get my master's. After my master's, decided to get my PhD. But um, I think one of the reasons in retrospect that I was led along this path is because the Bible is so misused. In is that really? Culture. It's such a shock. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to be part of the voices of healing and of making sense of that, making meaning of that for people and bringing people into healed relationship mm-hmm. with scripture and with the Bible. And so that's, so I love doing that. So that's part of what took me on that journey and studying about gender and sex the whole way through. And so now that's one of my specialties of what I write about and what I do, what I try to bring to other people. Beautiful. Were you 
having like the shared experience that a lot of people talk about where they go to seminary or they start learning more about the Bible and then they start doubting their faith or kind of having some giant reckonings with the text versus what you were told, all of those sorts of things. So my first day of intro to the New Testament in college, I was like, someone is finally making sense because oh. I did not like the devotional approach okay in high school uh so much and so finally someone was like when was this written who wrote it like what were the circumstances of its writing and i was like fine i'm finally i'm home i'm home um so for me it was a huge like godsend actually to have a more academic approach so i've actually done the opposite i've had to work really hard um to experience scripture as devotional interesting again so i kind of had the flip experience actually um, that's that's really really cool to hear and do you do you credit that to the fact that you were not taught in biblical literalism that you were presented these things as stories you know i wasn't i wasn't i mean um certainly a story i think for for children that's the way they experience uh, often experience scripture um so i don't know that that was a deliberate decision on anyone's part but it was definitely my experience um and then I, you know probably in high schools, maybe, maybe a little bit early in college, I, I had some of that struggle of like, what's, what's to be taken literally, what isn't. Um, and, and I think that continues, right? That's an ongoing evolution. Uh, I also went to, so I grew up evangelical adjacent. I grew up in a mainline church and I grew up going to Catholic school. Mm, okay. So I had a real diversity of approaches mm -hmm. um, to scripture. So I don't know what to attribute it to or just the way my brain is wired. <laughs> I really like I don't it. Know. <laughs> I, I think it's refreshing to hear that someone had the the converse of the a lot of our common experience just because it it makes you more aware that there are different ways to experience it because yeah. we're we're so often told in evangelicalism that there is a right way. Right. When you encounter someone that's saying, Well, I had the a complete a different experience with right. scripture, that's just interesting. So I also think it's interesting that you're talking about how it is has taken you longer to instead of intellectualizing it actually experiencing it so is that where this uh premise of getting into the metaphysical giftings comes in well i think that's interesting to bring them together in that way so my you know my experience with metaphysics is um that i'm as you probably picked up from that story i'm very left brain logic brained analytic. yeah <laughs> and so for actually me to experience my intuitive side took kind of a lot of took kind of a lot of work um, but i always had an interest i was always um you know when i was younger for instance i might know a song before it came on the radio well if it's a top 40 song maybe that's not like such a huge thing but if it's not a top 40 song um you know i had those kind of things that were happening sort of uh, experiences of the spiritual world around me that couldn't really be put in a church box. Mm. Um, they, they, it wasn't like witchcraft or the occult or anything like that, but I, I didn't really have a name for it. So as I, as I got older and actually as I was working in my doctoral program, that's when I first um, started um, being able to explore um, these, uh, these occurrences, these happenings, these inklings, these, these feelings that I had been having probably my whole life in a little more sustained way. Uh, and I was doing my work in Berkeley, California. So you, it's like the home of metaphysical right <laughs> anything right like any you know you can whatever you want to explore there you can explore um but i was actually able to put that together with my scholarship so i was able to go research whatever i wanted i was able to research whatever i wanted to research but also have experience experiential um things happen as well and i was actually taught about about the chakras from a catholic brother from a catholic monk 
Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so it was really neat. He's a transpersonal psychologist. Um, he taught me meditation as well. So I was able to kind of weave all of this together. So yeah, then I was able to sort of have a more, a more devotional understanding of, of scripture without it being limited to what did the ancient world think about this? Or does this, does this confine me or does this free me? Mm, beautifully put. Yeah. What would you say to someone that already perceives this conversation to be dangerous or scary <laughs> they're like these chicks are already talking right are they progressive but they're also now talking about chakras and metaphysics and meditation you're hitting a lot of those scary words yeah some buzzwords right well you know um if it's not for everyone that's okay but god is a lot bigger than any buzzword mm-hmm. right? so uh, god has created us as energetic beings and as energetic beings, you know, actually, I think it's our joy um, to be able to explore every dimension of our spirituality. And for me as a Christian, then Christ comes first. Mm. Like Christ okay. always, yeah, Christ always comes first. And, um, but my, you know, my particular calling or way of experiencing the world can't be confined or limited to any kind of box. And any box that we build for God, I imagine God is like, oh, that's so cute. trying trying to confine the universe into into a little bitty you know into a little bitty box so you know the world the spiritual world is a lot bigger than we can perceive you know with our eyes so i think anyone who feels like this may be dangerous treading on dangerous territory um i would say if you're you're interested in exploring definitely go slow there's nothing that says you have to dive in straight into the world of chakras right away but also be open and use your own discernment And the question I think that's always helpful to ask is, am I scared of this because of something um, that's true? Or is this something that was taught to me? And if so, who taught this to me and why? So am I asking this out of fear or out of curiosity? Mm. Like what's leading us to our next question? Yeah, I love that. So then if the answer becomes my pastor told me and and my parents told me and every christian i've ever known has told me you know how do you even get to the the central nervous system of where that fear has arrived from and how do you yeah. how can you process the idea that it might still be valid or it might still be ordained by god or with god even though so many people of the same section of your life and of your religion are saying otherwise yeah, so I would say it's always good to look beyond our little slices and our little sections. Yeah. Yeah, right? And so, <laughs> a, a, I would say look beyond your little slice and your little section because a lot of different Christians are doing it very differently mm. in your slice or your section. And all those Christians are probably not collectively wrong. Yeah. And so I think it's really good that one of the things we have in the Christian tradition is the ability to look very widely. Um, mm. Christianity is global and it's 2,000 years long. Um, but right. And then we have Judaism before that. Um, so I think it's really helpful to look at where the river is wide as well as where the river is deep. So if it's only in your little corner, um, corner of the world, it's not that that's not valid. It's just that it's not the only voice. Mm. So I'd say build, it's a good idea to build the tapestry outward and to see what other people are, are doing and what other people are saying. And one of the things that I think evangelicalism and I would say Protestantism in general misses out on is mystery. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we like, we don't actually embrace the mystery of God. We only embrace the sort of fear 
Yes. We're fear. really good at fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really good at fear and either or thinking rather than both and thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So it may be helpful to look to traditions that are both and, and this doesn't happen overnight. Right. So yeah, just ex- exploring, um, yeah, exploring all the diverse worlds that are out there within Christianity and to recognize them as Christian. Right. It's actually huge, right? So it's not as quite as narrowly defined as many of us are led to believe. And I think most of us need to drink from many wells. Having only one well that we drink out of, whether it's our church of origin, family of origin, pastor of origin, is very limiting. Yes, yeah. absolutely. God's table is really, really wide. <laughs> I love it. It's really wide, yeah. Uh, and I know the dissenting comment will be, and the gates are narrow. <laughs> <laughs> but I hear what you're saying, and yeah. I hope I hope all of you out there hear it too. And I keep saying that too. If we are building our, our faith on a foundation of love and exploration and wonder instead of concrete knowing, which, like you said, must be a laughable concept to God. Right. Us little tiny brained minions walking around the world thinking we know everything is is adorable, if not like also traumatizing to the world and the planet and like all these other terrible things. But all of that aside, I think it is beautiful to just embrace wonder and go with that and then and trust too that you will know your boundaries and limitations and you'll know when you're getting into some sticky territory like trust that intuitive sense inside of you that says no this isn't right yeah and not every practice is for every person and that's like more than okay Mm, that's right we all have Mm -hmm. yeah we have different gifts we have different um kind of different bandwidths yeah for what we experience and what we explore but the fear of exploring it will be deathly Mm. if we choose not to explore something let it be a choice not a choice that fear makes for you i love that beautiful so metaphysical gifts how would you define that how do you describe this concept so yeah describe the concept as um anything that's kind of beyond the box of our um, physical five senses even though we're going to experience the metaphysical world with our senses um, at some point in time, but usually only after we get kind of um, a little more versed and a little more practiced in this. So I really help people explore things that are beyond, like beyond kind of, I would say, conventional, traditional teachings of the church, um, however, however you're defining the church. So things that don't quite fit into the box, but that are very real for us. So this is, we're, we're talking about energy, we're talking about like the spiritual world, the kind of spiritual realm that maybe lies beyond um, our immediate awareness and just being able to full explore that in its fullness. And for me and um, people, that, people that I've worked with in the past and people have taught me, it's the recognition that we're energetic beings, that we, ha- that we are tremendously powerful. So it's also very deeply rooted for me in honoring the gifts and the power that God has placed in each one of us in a unique way. And being able to cultivate those, uh, being able to cultivate that energy in a way that actually builds the kingdom of God. Mm. And yeah, Christ came to revolutionize the world. Let's revolutionize the world. Amen. Or let's be doing that. Yeah, the certain um, things that are coming to me, I think there is maybe a few pivotal moments in my life where I began expanding my perception of spiritual gifts and different things that were being presented to me. And a lot of times I see them as really um, semantics, you know, when a certain 
Eastern practice is saying chakras or saying energy, when then you look at Christianity and you look the way that Jesus is asking us to present ourselves to the world and what kind of love and energy quote that he would want us to bring to the table, like it really all doesn't come into play. I think a couple experiences I've noticed is that when I've messed around, which I've done very rarely because it has scared me, mm. when I've messed around with like tarot cards or getting a reading or that just for me is specific. And particularly because my grandmother was a psychic, she had a crystal ball and everything. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I was really, really taught that that was evil and, mm. and was problematic. But I noticed that when I dove into any of that and didn't have Christ at the center and wasn't for lack of a better word, like just submitted to that divinity and to be like, I want to receive only what is from you. I am not inviting, you know, you're not just like sitting there being like spirits, any spirit that wants right. to come through, just like people kind of throw caution to the wind when they take out a Ouija board or they take out their tarot cards and they're like, Hey, nobody or anyone like, what's up? Like I, I would acknowledge that I think there's danger to that because you are not um, practicing that worship and that honor do you have any agreements with that kind of concept? Does that resonate with you? Yeah, it resonates with me uh, to, to a degree. Um, and it depends on how we kind of conceive of other spirits, kind of the spiritual world, right? But when, I think when we're um, kind of seeking, if, if we're seeking a reading or something like that, which I actually don't encourage people to do uh, very often, but when we're seeking um, that kind of exploration, it can become ego-driven. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, there's nothing, I think there's nothing wrong with kind of being curious what's out there, but it's really good to have a question at the center of that. Right. And um, it's always about um, finding the Christ light within us and expanding that. So any of these practices should, and I tell this with all the people I work with, they should bring us closer to Christ. And if they don't, then it may not be for you. Right. And so as far as like other entities, other spirits, right? You don't want to, we don't want to free for all because that's very nonspecific and not going to be helpful. Yeah. For us, right? So, um, and ultimately having other people do a bunch of stuff for us won't empower us to develop our own sense of energy and our own radical healing. And so really, this is really a process about going within and mm -hmm. activating kind of the mystic within. Yeah. That's really interesting because I, yeah, I think it's just beneficial for me to just openly admit that I, I wouldn't say I have fear, but I think as um, a thought leader, which I may be in my space, like yeah. I do hesitate to be like, oh, I'm presenting these concepts to you all that I haven't actually dove into myself that I don't have a true thorough understanding of. Um, so I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and so for instance, I'll, um, uh, I do I have a, a good friend who's a psychic medium, you know, and she helps people connect um, who've undergone trauma with a traumatic loss of a loved one and helps them connect with their spirit. So I, you know, within the, within Christianity, I think we acknowledge that we have souls, we have spirits. Where are they after death? They are presumably with God. And she's connecting with that part of the person who that is with God. Mm. It's not for the purposes of like, necromancy getting people to do like do things do things from beyond the veil that are going to be harmful right so it's all it's all born out of um, a spirit of love now i can't do that 
Like I don't, I don't have that particular gift. I haven't developed that particular gift, but it's always good to ask like, what's the motivation behind this action? Mm. What am, what am I trying to get? Is this for, is this, is this, who is this going to benefit and why? And to kind of pursue it that way. Let me Do adjust you... with my squeaky chair here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, go for there it. There we go. Okay. What are some other examples of um, the metaphysical gifts? Like, is there like a list of them that would kind of sum it up? So I would say, um, as far as gifts, I think we're all healers. Like really? all of us. Yeah. Yeah. We're all, I mean, like Jesus says in Luke 10, you're going to do greater things than I did, like go out and do these things. So I think that we're all healers. I mean, I think your YouTube channel is a force of healing. Mm, thank you. In the world, yeah. right? Like being out there. So I think that's, we're all probably doing it uh, and activating these um, in their own way. Um, as far as a list, where, where I encourage people to explore is A, understanding energy um, at kind of a, a basic level. What, what is energy in the world? How do we experience that? Um, and then the thing that I love to watch people explore is getting to know their own energy, especially in the form of chakras, whatever it is that we call it, like energy centers. I think we see in the healings of Jesus, um, he not routinely, but um, often uh, like touches people on their foreheads. So igniting that kind of intuition um, that's within us. He sometimes uses his spit in mm. right in healing I would not and, like that <laughs> I know right yeah it's kind of in this COVID world it doesn't seem <laughs> it doesn't seem I know you don't even want to kiss anymore let alone get spit on <laughs> right but um for me it's accessing that the energy that's within that's within us um so I uh, mentioned right before we started I'm getting over a cold so kind of all week long I've been kind of asking myself um, the energy that's in uh, what I would call a throat chakra or a heart chakra where my lungs and my, my coughing is, you know, what is it that you need? Is there something that I haven't said that I need to say? Is there something I've said too much of and uh, that I have this kind of illness that's residing, you know, residing within me? So, you know, as far as, as, far as a list, uh, I wouldn't put it in terms of a list but getting to know the energy that's within to know how we're going to express it without. Yeah. So this is just immediately striking me as so different because as evangelicals, we've heard it said so many times that you can have healing in church. And I know that a lot of us even optically will see that as the pastor coming over and putting a forehead in your hand, speaking in jarbled tongues, and right. the person falls back and then they can walk or whatever. So this is obviously something much more nuanced and different. And I really wonder like how effective you've seen it be or how, what kind of power we really have within that, because it does resonate when you say, Oh, well, look, you are a healer because my version of healing is helping other people share their stories. I feel the more I share my story, the more it prompts other people to do the same and therefore offers freedom and like you said, if I really think about it, yes, healing ultimately is the goal. So then if we're talking about real life illness, you know, people that have chronic fatigue or all these different symptoms that they keep going to evangelical church and hearing this promise of healing again and again, right. if that's not working and all of us are familiar with that not working, right. then what is the down home, you know, real approach to this metaphysical healing that you're saying is promised to us in the word? Yeah. Well, so I'm going to distinguish between healing and curing. Okay. 
right? None of us are going to be healed to the point where we will live forever. Or at least if that's the case, I haven't seen it happen yet. Um, mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're the person that's lived for a thousand years, let us know what the secret is. <laughs> so, no one that Jesus healed in the New Testament lived forever. Right? Yeah. Um, so um, there's a cure that's a kind of temporary remission until a natural death uh, can occur. So do those happen? Um, sure. And actually, I think there's probably a lot of power in... Um, you know, being slain in the spirit, these kind of healings that can happen in church. My problem is when they're associated with doctrine. Right. Um, yeah, when they become very associated with doctrine or when they become associated with a cure. So radical healing can happen without a cure because the radical healing is what happens in our interior state. So I think the promise that we can cure physical ailments is um, a problem. Um, that's actually a problem. The healing is what happens in our interior selves. And so for someone that's working with chakras, whether it's you're working with your own, whether you're working with someone else, the goal, if there is such a goal, is to come to inner truth. And if there's physical ailments or manifestations that we're having as a result of toxicity, as a result of mindset, um, as a result of some action that we're doing repeatedly, that energy work within will help manifest that so we can make appropriate changes. Hmm. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then it's not tied to a belief that um, like only the faithful are cured. Yeah. That has hurt so many it's people. So, it's so mm -hmm. hurtful. And it's, um, you know, who knows what, what gifts that person might be receiving as a result of their illness. Right. Right. Like we actually come to new awarenesses. Um, when I, I was really, I mean, when I was like kind of deeply, um, deeply into the me my metaphysical awareness, I had one summer where I was so sick for a month. Um, and it turns out I had a bad sinus infection, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know I had, you have sinuses up here. I didn't even know that until this summer. And so oh. I had a nasty infection up here, like sinuses right here. And it had become a bacterial, a secondary bacterial infection. And I was laid out on my couch for a month. I mean, like mm. I, couldn't, I couldn't move. I couldn't, I went to work one time at my church and they sent me home. Wow. <laughs> I was there for 30 minutes. They were like, you have to go, you, you look like death. You have to go home. Um, I was so sick. Yeah. So I was exploring chakras. I was doing all of that, but that was not an instantaneous cure. I mean, I had to take a lot of antibiotics um, but I learned a lot about myself that summer, right? So the mm. interior um, transformation that happened was significant. I just happened to be laid out on the couch at the time, really sick, needing, uh, needing antibiotics. So any work I think we do with energy, it's really an exploration into the interior self and what is most true for us and away from the dogma and away from that doctrine. And like you said, those... Um, repeated sort of repeated kind of tent revival style healings that don't result in cures are they're really hurtful they're really damaging they're toxic they make people's trust erode um in themselves in god and the church yeah um so i'm a big fan of energetic healing within church environments when it's done appropriately um with consent and for the purposes of transformation not cures it's so interesting that you just said consent because I'm likening everything you're saying to what I keep teaching people about sex. And one of the main things that keeps coming up for me with sex is that we are remiss to consider it goal-oriented and yeah. 
penetrative and just right. being like, this is what it is. Right. And I truly believe if we expand our perception of what it is, then, and even as partners, you could have so much more excitement to be like, well, this is sex, like making out is sex and you know, whatever. So expanding the concept of what it means to be healed yeah. sounds so freeing and incredible because like in that concept and correct me if I'm wrong, it would be like, I am blind. Like I, I interviewed this wonderful girl named Precious. I have a podcast interview with her if anyone wants to check it out. But, you know, she was saying so many people would pray without her consent for her healing. And she's oh, like, wow. I don't want healing. I'm very happy right. with how I was born and made. So in that case, it would be like, you don't have my consent to heal my blindness. I don't need, quote, healing from this. I'm fine as I am. The healing that I need is to fully reside in this gift that I've been given of blindness. Right. Can you describe that. it that way? Yeah, definitely. And that, uh, that's so empowering even just to hear about and um, such a uh, positive, affirmative way of thinking about ability and disability. Yeah. As well. Yeah. And like, you know, I also hear, for instance, if people are getting divorced, so I got a word y'all, healthy people get divorced. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You get, you get, that's often a healthy decision. Um, unhealthy people stay married in miserable marriages for <laughs> decades and decades and decades. And right. that's not to say if you're happily married and if you're happily married for decades and decades that you are uh, not in a good relationship, you may very well be, <laughs> but you know, we, we all know what I'm talking about. Right? Like, yeah. We all know what I'm talking about. And so, but then churches will pray for their reconciliation. I'm like, they, they do not need reconciliation. Those people do not need reconciliation. They need, um, they need healthy divorce. Mm. Right. And so even that prayer for um, a reconciliation um, is sometimes mis a mismatch with what I think God's will actually is, which is for people to be healthy and to thrive. That's so interesting. I love yeah. it. That's a really expansive view of what we're talking about. And yeah, I wonder, I wonder what the line between, you know, someone really desperately wanting to be healed, especially if someone has like a chronic illness that right. they were really pushing through. I know um, my friend Ruthie Lindsay, she wrote an amazing book as well, and she experiences pain every single day. Mm, yeah. And I think a part of her journey, not to speak for her, but just from her book was about residing in that reality and, yeah. and feeling whole and complete and true in spite, not even in spite of it, but I guess embracing it you know mm -hmm. it's I wonder have you walked people on that journey or do you think there's a a moment of freedom when they kind of like surrender to reality versus being like believing that God can do something miraculous to heal them from this thing yeah I think that I love that word surrender because it's surrender when we can surrender in that way it's a very powerful surrendering um it's our it's and it's a choice but it could feel like resigning, I guess. I guess it can feel like resigning, right? But that surrender, surrendering to what is, is actually the quickest way through. So that's what's going to get us to our own, um, our own acknowledgement about where we are, um, what can be different, if anything, but always something can be different, even if it's our own perception, our own self-perception of our awareness. Um, but that's always, always the quickest way through to where we want to be. And so sometimes just asking a simple question, um, what have I learned? What do I need to learn? And sometimes that learning is just, oh, I'm going to slow down. Yeah. Oh, okay. With this, you know, with this chronic condition, um, I have these gifts 
and they're best used in this way. And so that also means that we stop letting other people define us. We stop letting society define what should be. And we get to set our own terms. We get to set our own limits in that I, way. Yeah, I will say while you're talking about this, uh, something that I've been noticing, particularly in my relationship and in motherhood and just basically cultivating life as I want it to look. Because for so many years in church, I was told you, you, not, you want your life to look this way. Right. You, mm-hmm. you want to get married young. You want to have a million kids and you want to ride off in the sunset and live happily ever after. And when I was writing my book, I even realized that I actually never desired just to sleep with one person. And Mm -hmm. I actually never fantasized about getting married and all of these different things. So I think a part of my healing in the, in the sense of the word that you're describing it has been not accepting pain for something that actually isn't causing me pain just because other people are telling me it's supposed to. So if you are very happily consciously uncoupling out of a marriage isn't working anymore and people are just like oh my god I'm so sorry like you're supposed to be in pain I think some of us are inclined to take that on like oh I guess I'm supposed to be sad I'll feel pain for you yeah yeah like I'm supposed to feel sad that I'm blind or that I have a chronic illness or that I'm getting a divorce but in reality if you have made peace with it and you have the truest sense of the word of healing as you're describing it then you don't any longer have to accept that pain and you can just like we're saying, surrender to the fact that you're actually okay and you actually don't experience pain in that area of your life. Right. And so to me, that's metaphysical. That's so cool. It doesn't matter how it happens. It doesn't matter what words we use. Like it's the the detachments are happening. Um, Living into our full truth is happening. Mm. And to me, that is like the heart of what it means to be a metaphysical Jesus follower. So cool. Yeah. That's the freedom. um, That's the freedom that we get. So all of this can be enhanced with things like cord cutting or, you know, sort of asking angels for assistance, but we don't have to, like, we don't have to have the names for it. We don't, it doesn't have to look in any one particular way. And Mm. so that's what I, you know, I love that truth, uh, the truth that you just named. And oh oh my gosh, you're right though. People do take, and I'm thinking now, have I done that? Have I been like, someone else has told me I should feel like I'm uh, in pain because life doesn't look the way they think that they perceive that it should look. Yeah, I probably have. So that's 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 the curse of being an empath as well <laughs> yeah it's the curse and the blessing of being empathic of taking on other people's perceptions yeah it's actually reminding me too that i um i spoke to a woman named destiny with new wave feminists and we were talking about like abortion and i thought we were going to have a debate because she was pro-life and i'm pro-choice mm. we actually ended up being aligned on so many things wow one of those examples was you know everyone uses the only one percent of uh pregnancies are because of rape um she was saying that it's such a tragedy we even say that because we're just assuming the person is experiencing pain with that fact and that they need to be saved from that when in fact on the ground in real time with the work she's doing a lot of the women are happy weirdly enough that the result of something so terrible Mm. was something beautiful so it's like I think in our society, we're used to outputting our assumptions, yes. thinking we're being sweet little empaths. And trust me, I feel the same way as you. Right. But, in, but in reality, it's like, why don't we check in with ourselves and with others to even see if we need to feel empathic and sad about something? Because maybe yeah. not, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and switching from empathy to compassion mm. is, is like super revolutionary. Uh, at least it is for me whenever I feel myself getting empathically kind of tied up. 
um, in an outcome or um, in someone else's story or my story about someone else's perception, if I can just switch that to compassion, then the power lo is located within the person making their own decisions. That's really huge. Always. Yeah. yeah. That's a great burden to bear that, that no one even necessarily wants you to take on for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it, yeah, and it so diminishes just... your own health when you're in pain. Exactly. I've spent a year crying about pig slaughterhouses, like hmm. weeping. And I still can at the drop of a hat, but at the yeah. same time, you know, it's like, again, taking in all that pain and not actually on the ground doing anything about it is, is just ends up being exhausting. So it's like, then what does compassion look like? How do you actually put it into action? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I love that. And that's, yeah. So tuning into our own inner truth in whatever way is accessible for us helps us know what's, you know, what's your action compared to my action Mm -hmm. compared to someone else's and it's the beauty of all of those separate actions because we're all called we all have different callings in these parts of our lives and they come together in a beautiful tapestry that you know when we can just let god be god <laughs> uh, how relaxing <laughs> right <laughs> sometimes our sometimes our deep empathy causes us to actually try to orchestrate absolutely yeah 100 god yeah, yeah. So you said you don't want to make a list, but I am, I'm going back to the Christian concept of spiritual yeah, gifts. And I am wondering what are the other categories that we're dealing with basically? Yeah. So the, the categories that I deal with, uh, let's, I'll, I'll stick just to those because I don't know what other people may be doing. And so I love to talk about chakras. I love to talk about energy and energy healing just in all the ways that we just did. Um, I actually love to talk about dreams. And how oh. God comes to us in dreams. Like you can't get much more biblical than that. I've never had a dang dream, but I know people that have. You don't, yeah. you don't remember. Well, you dream. You just don't remember your dream. Well, I dream, but I also think they're pretty dang nonsensical. And I'm almost <laughs> positive. <laughs> There's no message. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> well, I think that every dream, um, even, even the ones that seem kind of like throwaway dreams, have the power to be impactful for us um, and there's kind of a process for working with those but every dreamer is uniquely um, um, blind I hesitate to use that word now now it feels like a very ableist word to use but oh yeah but, uh, <laughs> we're all uniquely blind uh, to our own dreams we have blind so, spots I guess yeah we all have blind spots around our own dreams right but I just love working with dreams and often the messages are, sim are as simple as um, you have the power to do something about the situation in which you feel powerless so mm -hmm. we never, ever have a dream about something we can't do anything about, ever. A dream will never come to us to say, um, nanny, nanny, boo, boo, you're powerless. A dream will always come to say, you actually do have the power um, to make a move, whatever it may be. So I love to work with dreams. Um, I actually love to work with um, energy, like earth energy around energetic days uh, of the year around solstices and equinoxes. And this recognition that we are all earth creatures. We are all made um, of Adama, of the dirt of the earth. Um, I think Genesis two and three describe this so beautifully. And when we can see ourselves as part of the earth and what you just said about your care for pigs, yeah. Well, they, you have that interconnectedness with them. Um, and that's, um, for, for Christians, I think this is so important that we see ourselves not as ruling over, but in concert with all of creation, that we are part of that creation. Um, so for me, or, or like harnessing that earth energy um, is so helpful because it helps me see myself as an earth creature mm. um, here walking around. 
Um, I also love to work with like stars, astrology, um, those kind, you know, those, those kinds of energies as well. Um, so, you know, I think we all have gifts. It, this is all gifts that every one of us can cultivate within ourselves. Like everyone has all of these. Some of us are just gonna be better at some of them than others. And then this all, but for me, this all leads us to what's your purpose? Mm. Like, this all helps us define our purpose, our mission for doing Christ's work on the earth. So I saw your eyes light up with astrology. Go ahead. <laughs> 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 well, no, I was going to tease you for being so controversial, um, right. you know, for like an audience like mine. I think I, I've been having conversations more often like this. And it's interesting because we're kind of past the gay thing. We're kind of past, you know, the gender thing is still a little sticky. Right. Everything is just a journey. And I try to be as open as possible to be like, look, we're on this journey together and I'm going to present different perspectives and you can take it or leave it and like see what resonates with you but above all don't be afraid don't be scared and don't be judging other people for how they resonate with divinity so like with the earth thing you know again i was raised with this like don't earth worship anyone doing astrology or caring about the solstice it's pagan it's not us and then when you really dive into the Bible in a moment of deconstruction and everything you see so continuously, continuously, especially in Genesis, God spoken about in both gender pronouns in, yeah. in unison, creating the earth. And then also talking about the oneness, which is strangely something that's been perverted into demonic right. from like an evangelical stance. But I actually think it's so detrimental to see it as quote demonic or whatever, because what does it do? The output of believing that we are separate from the earth, that we have nothing to do with the solstice or the stars or the ocean helps us disrespect all of it. Like the reason we treat pigs the way that we do is even by giving them the non-pronoun of it, Mm-hmm, separating right. them they they are male and female they have genitalia like us they they procreate they make babies they you know all of those things and yet we call animals it and we call right. trees it and for me i believe that that just helps us disrespect things it helps us keep separate so we can be like we are this and they are that and yeah. the satan in its truest like original term is the divider so i'm like wait all of that has caused is division Mm -hmm. If I go and like touch this beautiful tree in my yard right now, I do feel energy pulsing through it. Tell me you deny it. Tell me you don't feel it too. Like it is there. So we can either be afraid of it or we can, like we said at the top of the conversation, embrace wonder and get curious about it. Yeah. I think getting curious about it. And this is the, the consequences of seeing ourselves as separate from the earth have been, um, I think they're, they're really apparent with global warming, with pollution, with, um, uh, kind of attitude around the earth. And unfortunately, I mean, we can really trace, um, and I've, I've heard people say it, I'm sure you have too, that, well, like, who cares about this earth? We only care about the next one. Right. Yeah. Right. And that, I mean, that's completely counter to me, to God's invitation to humanity to be um, stewards. Yes. Yeah. We're to be stewards. And in fact, the, I think the way we treat our earth is usually a reflection of the way we treat ourselves. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so when we don't have love for self, uh, we don't have love for earth Yeah, as well. And so, yeah. So seeing those things in harmony, um, again, no matter what words we use or how it looks is um, incredibly actually empowering. 
and does require a lot of resiliency like you've experienced like you've expressed with you know your care for pigs yeah right we do have to have resiliency around it or it can become all-consuming yeah i think that um it's interesting too what you were describing about the ego getting enmeshed in these different practices and, and what is your motivation basically for yeah. diving into these different things i've been learning more about witches and mm -hmm. women that were called witches because we just have this one concept of them which is like evil and cruel and self-serving and wearing the pointy hats and on a broom. But when you research the women that were called witches, they right. were more often than not healers. healers they were yeah. more often than not using resources of the earth to heal people, to do like medicinal things for people. So it really did seem, I mean, very much so all of the witches that were killed, all of the primarily women that were killed for doing those practices, it seems that people were just really intimidated by their power yeah. and by the gifts and the tools that they had. So, and you can't it, get much more Jesus work than helping heal people. I know it's right? it's really a tragedy when I yeah. any I encourage anyone to really dive in and start researching the reality of of witches and you know the whole history behind that. Well, and in scripture too, um, whenever the word witch comes up, you will see how often it's translated in different ways in different translations which is a great indicator that we don't know what it meant. Interesting. Right. Yeah. So when a word has that many different translations, I mean, and you'll see so many different ones um, from, from the witch at Endor in first Samuel 28, uh, first Samuel. Yeah. I think 28 um, to, you know, all the verses that get lobbed uh, from De Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Um, when uh, there's in the Hebrew, they're a little ambiguous. Mm. They're not, it's not very clear what those meant. Interesting. And, so, and then I think there's a gendered component to that in scripture as well. Yes. Would not yeah. be surprised by that. Right. <laughs> um, so then I guess how, I know we have to wrap up a little bit. So how would you describe to Christians how to basically dive into your curiosity about these different elements and, and find what you're saying, your purpose, your giftings, while still feeling that like, I guess, safety net of knowing that you're still honoring the principles that you maybe grew up on, that you're not like teetering over the edge of becoming demonic. Like there's so many fears around it. How right. can you really, and also just how can you have a, um, a practice around these things that is genuinely motivated by good? Because I've right. talked to friends that do witchcraft and I'm not one to judge, but there's some people that I've talked to that have done it for good. And some people that I've talked to sure. that have done it for blatantly evil. Like, Oh, I wanted this guy to get fired. Right. Yeah. So I planted a tree and the tree died and I'm like, uh, yeah, that sounds a little dark. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's, um, we, we want to use energy for the purposes of moving forward, uh, <laughs> right. for, forward, uh, the earth. So, yeah. So, you know, for me, uh, I think there's a couple things. For me, the recognition of this energy was incredibly liberating. Mm. And it allowed me to access that intuitive part of myself that most Christians, uh, especially evangelical Christians, are taught not to trust. Yes. Right? We're taught that our intuition is of the devil, but in actuality, it is a God-given gift. And when we can hone it, we're better able to um, step into our own power um, that is Christ given. So, you know, for me, I, I keep Jesus Christ front and center 
uh, of an ordained minister. It is the words, the ministry, the life, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus that um, enlivens me. It informs every single thing that I do, every decision that I make. So I think keeping that actually at the center of what we do and just asking a simple question, is this Christ-like? Is this not? Is mm. a great starting point. Just, is this Christ-like? Is it not? If I think that it's not, is that coming from me? Or is that coming from a story that I've been told? Mm. If it's not coming from you, then I would keep on exploring the origin. Why, why do I believe this? Where, where, has, where have I been told this? Um, is this coming from fear or is this coming from a genuine respect of energy that I'm not ready to explore? Mm. And both ways are okay. There's, you know, I have, I have, I have zero um, sort of investment uh, in people's outcome other than we experience healing and that we are all, you know, we're all kind of moving, moving the Jesus ball forward um, as, you know, as healers on the earth. Um, so I think that's probably where I would begin um, to explore that. You know, I don't teach people witchcraft or um, uh, Wiccan, so I should distinguish here. I know just enough to be a little dangerous. Um, Wiccan is the religion. Witchcraft is the practice. Okay, yeah. Right, so I, I know nothing about Wiccan. I can't speak to that. I can speak a little bit more about witchcraft, which is a, a sort of a form of energy work. Yeah, but like you, if it's for the purposes of harming someone, that's not of Christ. I would leave that behind. You know, that's not something that I would encourage anyone uh, to dive into. Other than that, I would uh, explore people, uh, encourage people to get, begin to explore their own energy. What is it that enlivens you? What is it that is bringing you um, despair or causing depression within you, causing fatigue within you? Start to eliminate those things out of your life. And then the rest, you know, will start to kind of get into, uh, start, will start to fall into place. Whatever is meant for you will present itself for you to explore. Yeah. So my book isn't written, written yet. When it's written, I'll have the how-to. Okay, How's I know that? I was going to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think, I guess the last question I would ask, which I'm sure this is a really big question, but how do you feel people can begin identifying what that might be for them? Because I'm sort of, I'm trying to think, I feel like I have very similar gifts for sure that my mm -hmm. grandmother exhibited. Oh, and yeah. it's interesting because my dad describes some like darkness that she played mm -hmm. into. And at the same time, he spoke about how she was often on quaaludes, like she often wasn't in her right mind when she was doing certain things or that she would do things with an, a dark intention, mm -hmm. with an intention of hurting someone or intention of revenge. So for me, I just felt like maybe we actually share the same prophetic gifts, which is how you'd call it in Christianity. Right. And we can either choose to use that for like good or evil. And sometimes as human beings, we can sort of go between the two depending on our mood and we sort of have to just like keep that in check I don't know if you agree with that yeah I think keep it in check and I mean and we certainly see toxic people in Christianity use their gifts for not good fair very right? fair yeah in the Did name of Christ mm -hmm. and so yeah. we, we, I think that's a um a line that every Christian actually has to walk um how are we going to use these you know you, I'm sure you do. I know I do um, get called evil by men all the time because I don't like seeing a woman in her own power. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Um, do I think that they're right? No. You Do I think they're giving into a spirit of fear? Probably. <laughs> uh, I don't give it a lot of time and attention these days. But with any of the, you know, with the energy sensitivity that you're, that you're describing, you know, 
I don't think we're ever really seeing the future. That's not, that's not the point. We're really seeing the present. We're really, we're really seeing, we're exploring the present and we're exploring what out of the many possibilities, what are the ones that we're being called to? Yeah, and your end result is really um, uh, important there. Am, am I going to behave, uh, am I going to act in such a way that is Christ-like or not Christ-like for my next steps? And that's where those gifts can be helpful. And that's, so that's where I always like to bring in angelic assistance, little angelic energy can go a long way because they're always in service of God. Um, so, but your original question, let me go back. I'm not sure I answered like it. How do, yeah, how, how, do you, I, how do you do that? Yeah, so with yeah. that kind of thing, I would definitely actually, I would recommend training, um, exploring that with a little bit of training because there are energetic tools that you can do just to help kind of shield yourself to make sure that only love is coming in. Um, that you're not receiving other people's energy and to make sure that your intent, and I think this is what everyone can do, um, to just stop, pause and make sure that your intent is very pure um, as you begin to ask the questions um, and explore that your own energy. Because the universe is always going to give what we uh, put out there. Mm. So if we put out there intent, uh, pure intent that we are always acting in a Christ-like way, we will receive that back and we'll get a lot more clarity. Um, you know, if we have the intent to do someone harm, if we have the intent to, um, I mean, your, your grandmother, I feel like she was probably, um, probably pigeonholed in a way that wasn't super helpful for her by others or medicated. It sounds like oh, she might have been medicated I, or self-medicated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like the 50s. There's a lot going on. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. She was probably pathologized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In ways that weren't helpful. So then she's putting that out there, not intentionally. So yeah, so then what she receives back is somewhat muddled mm. on an energetic level. And so in some ways, you know, I kind of wonder if you're the um, descendant who might be called to send the healing waves through your family lines. In, in your I own energetic that. Work. I would love that. Yeah. And you're, yeah. Pro you're probably already doing it. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. You're already doing it. So it's just becoming conscious of it. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, for, been that, a great the, session for the simple, for me. oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So that simple how-to I think are just intent. And then when it is getting very specific, I think that is a good time just to get a little training. Okay. That's amazing. And I, I guess I believe that everybody sort of might have an indication of what it is just from their own desire or what, what piques yeah. your interest when you see it or you hear about it. Yeah. And I would say, you know, if I say earth, angels, or sky, which one appeals to you the most? Go that direction. I, yeah, I would say angels. Mm, so yeah, so yeah. then that's the first thing to explore. <laughs> okay, cool. Earth, angels, or sky. Very interesting. And we need more earth lovers, really, yeah. which is not earth worship, just no, earth yeah. lovers. The earth is a creation of God. Yeah. So are we. The, worshiping it would be nonsensical. <laughs> yeah, but the, no point in that. Respecting the earth is uh, a value. Yeah, we need those warriors to come up for sure. Yeah. Well, this has been a beautiful conversation. Thank you, Thank you for, for letting me. me process so much of my own stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was really, and I love our the, your definition of healing. I think it's so expansive and beautiful, and I can't wait to share that more often in conversations with people. I think that's awesome. invaluable. Yeah, that we're you know we're we're always going to experience healing if we seek healing and not cures. Amen. Well, all, you I know, love the healing that. will always be present. I'm going to write that down. Um, we will always receive. 
Yeah, we'll always, if we're seeking healing, we'll always receive healing as opposed to a cure. I love that. That's amazing. All right. Well, where can everybody find you, Katie? I'm on YouTube as well. Rev Dr. Katie, R-E-V-D-R-K-A-T-Y. And then I have a Facebook group, The Metaphysical Christian. And so people that are interested and you want to kind of tiptoe and begin to explore, that's a wonderful group to begin to explore. So if you find us on Facebook and apply for membership, we'll accept you. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Katie. Yeah. I will link all the pertinent resources below and that's it. We love you all so much. God bless. Okay, stop the recording.